Welcome to the Providence Community Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Nathan Herndon. If you would like to stay connected with us, download our app, Providence Community, or visit our website, providencecommunity.org. Do you know how many people, how many absolutely amazing people we're surrounded by here at Providence? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Does not matter who takes the stage. I'm just so, so blown away by this. And that, uh, that God... Um, is taking people who, um, by the world standards, weren't amazing, and he's making us amazing in Jesus. Amen? That's the best part. That's the best part. Guys, uh, my name's Nathan, one of the pastors here. I want you to encourage you to grab your Bibles and open them uh, right now. We're going to be through most of the book of Acts this morning, a little bit of Colossians, a little bit of First and Second Corinthians, and then the entire book of Revelation. All right? So it's going to be a very long sermon, but I uh, uh, heard you love Jesus. And uh, if you leave, that means you don't. All right, so no, just, I wanna, I, that's not it at all, all right? Um, I, uh, I, I want you to open your Bibles actually to the book of Colossians. I'm gonna be a few places first, but we're gonna uh, get in there. Um, I'm preaching a sermon that may sound a little bit familiar to, to some of you. I preached this message October 2nd, 2020 out in the tent. And I felt that as we're doing a Jesus series, uh, I, I sense that God wants me to talk about baptism again. It's only been about seven months, but I wanna talk about baptism again. Here's one of the reasons why. It's because when we study uh, baptism, we actually see the beauty of the gospel of Jesus. And I think that God wants us to meditate and ruminate and roll around with in a loving way, the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. But here's another practical reason why I want us to talk about baptism is because there's many people that are being saved in these days. Okay, I don't, uh, we haven't shared this from the front recent, recently, but I want to do it now. That I think for the past, uh, for the past weeks, multiple people, there have been multiple salvations in this church every single week. All right? A lot of people. Last week, I... Three to four, maybe more people put their faith in Jesus. And, and Pastor Ed Gross, uh, there he is. Say hi. There he is. Pastor Ed Gross prays with people nearly every week to receive Jesus. Um, so uh, so as, we, as we are a church, that, and that has always been the heartbeat of the church, no matter of this church, no matter what church you're coming from, you're welcome here. But you have, you've got to know that you're stepping into a family that wants to see lost people come to Jesus. And so, uh, so we want to see that happen. Somebody whispered in my ear, there's going to be salvations for 20-somethings today. So if you're a 20-something today, today is your day to begin your life <laughs> by ending it in yourself and surrendering it to Jesus and putting your faith in him. All right? All right? Um, the, uh, so I want to talk about baptism today, though, because, um, be, because it is so important, and I do believe that it is, the importance of it is overlooked. I've known s- people that have graduated from seminary that have never been baptized. The kind of, uh, the kind of gospel that we preach today, um, it, it almost never includes the importance of water baptism. And, uh, and so you talk to people that, that say, I've been saved for 11 years. Never been baptized. And I just want to start out from the very beginning saying that baptism is not what saves you, okay? 
That's not what I'm saying at all. But I do want to say that baptism is extremely important. And I want to discuss this morning the, the importance of baptism and maybe start in this place. How has your view of baptism, uh, your current view of baptism come to be? I know depending on what kind of denomination has influenced you uh, as growing up, uh, baptism may or may not be that important to you. I know um, I, I grew up in a, uh, a Brethren in Christ church, and I was scared to death of getting baptized, even though I put my faith in Jesus at seven years old. I did not get baptized until I was 14, because I would watch people in the Brethren in Christ church get baptized, and they were dunked three times, all right, straight down, in the name of the Father, and the name of the Son, it's just as you're catching your breath, you're going down in the name of the Holy Spirit. And I, and I was thinking about all the gasping for air and all the awkwardness that that went. I was like, I'm not doing that. Me and Jesus are fine not getting baptized. So I was, did not get baptized. But the other reason why is because I was scared to death of public speak, speaking. And every person in my church growing up that got baptized uh, shared their testimony of how they came to faith in Jesus. And I did not care what hung on the line. I was not going to stand up in front of any amount of people and give a speech as a, as a young boy, all right? Can I just say this? What the enemy is making you afraid of is it could be what God's calling you to, all right? <laughs> so when you, when you uh, sense fear in your life, fear in whatever area, look at it as an opportunity for King Jesus to beat the devil in your life, all right? So, uh, so, but I was so afraid of giving a speech and it took me seven years to muster up the faith and courage to get baptized. And then I not only gave a speech, but I, I played my alto saxophone and did a solo in church, all right? <laughs> now let's take it to the next level, you know? Uh, and I didn't even play. No, I, I did. So anyway, I practiced for weeks. Um, I, when, I was, when I was an infant, I heard the story, I don't remember this, but when I was an infant, my Graham, who was an Episcopalian, um, took me on a weekend trip when, we were, when my family was visiting. Um, she, she took me when my dad went in the shower because my dad was the brother in Christ pastor, all right? And my Graham waited till he was in the shower on a Sunday morning and she stole me, takes me to the Episcopal church and has me infant baptized, all right? And so some, some people have grown up, you know, by saying, I don't need to be baptized because I was baptized as an infant, okay? And then I watched the, the movie, Big Fat Greek Wedding, because my wife is Greek and we love that movie in our house. And you see in that movie, um, the, the non-Greek man that wants to marry the Greek woman can't marry the Greek woman until he is baptized into the Greek Orthodox Church. Um, so there's a lot of different views of baptism, and the list goes on and on and on. In this case, it is the baptism means nothing to do with the personal relationship with Jesus. This, it, this is a cultural thing in, in the movie. This guy is just becoming Greek. Had nothing to do with knowing God. So I think that there's a lot of confusion on baptism. And I, this morning, I want us to see how, especially by looking at the early church, I want us to see how a profession of faith in Jesus and baptism were tied together. Okay? 
I want us to see that, how a profession of faith in Jesus and baptism were, were tied together. Now, I do want to kind of really uh, uh, put a lot of weight on this point, that baptism is not what saves you. Faith in Jesus is what saves you, amen? Um, Galatians chapter three, uh, uh, starting with verse 26, says this, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith, Okay? So you were adopted into the family of God, not by baptism, but by faith in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now the reason I'm showing you this is because I want you to see that you're saved by faith, through faith in Christ, and then, but it seems like, like our faith in Christ and then baptism, or the kind of uh, expressing our faith in Jesus are tied, it's almost like they're one and the same. You see this? Let me show you this. If you look at the book of Acts, if we go to Acts chapter two and we see, um, we see the day of Pentecost, which was Pentecost Sunday, was last Sunday, and the Holy Spirit fell on this house. I saw, right? Tom Sipling tore it up, right? Love it, love it. You guys are gonna see it. Tom Sipling is one of the greatest communicators. Anointed loves Jesus and hanging around him is gonna be a blessing and our young people in this church are just gonna get whacked with Jesus. I'm telling you, it's gonna be the best days ever. Uh, but you see, after the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church in Pentecost, Peter preaches, now full of the Holy Spirit, he preaches his first message. And basically in this message, he tells people how they crucified the Messiah that they were waiting for. And if you look here in Acts chapter 2, starting with verse uh, 37, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. When they heard that they had, they had crucified the Messiah, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? That's, that's how every preacher wants to have a message end, right? What do we do? I'm cut to the heart. Here's what Peter says. He's, he says this, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Huh, interesting. Because in the American church, we have people sign something and get an email. <laughs> Pray a prayer at the front. But here Peter is saying, what do you do with this news? What do you do with this very good news? You repent. You, repentance just really means a change of mind. I was chasing after uh, the world and I thought that the world would satisfy my heart. Now I know that I was made by and for Jesus and I'm lining up with him, putting all my faith in him. I'm repenting. I'm turning to him. And I'm sorry for dishonoring him with small loves and lovers. And I'm going to him, and I'm being baptized. And baptize, baptism is, is not the means by which we're saved, but it is important. I just wanted you to see this. The very first message, sermon in the book of Acts, this is what Peter says. Now, if you go to Acts chapter 8, I'm going to fly through Acts a little bit here. You go to Acts chapter 8, starting with verse 26. It's a story of, of uh, the, the deacon slash evangelist Philip, and he is told by the Holy Spirit to go to a certain road, and, and when he walks in a Obedience to the Spirit's voice, he comes across an Ethiopian eunuch in a chariot, and he runs up next to the chariot, and he sees that the Ethiopian eunuch is reading uh, the Bible. He's reading a scroll, the scroll uh, of Isaiah, Isaiah 53, and the, the eunuch invites him into the chariot, and uh, Philip asks the eunuch, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, 
How can I unless someone explains it to me? Well, Philip explains the gospel of Jesus from an Old Testament book of scripture, Isaiah 53, by his stripes we were healed. And then the, the, the eunuch puts his faith in Jesus. And then when we get to the end of this passage, they come by some water. And the Ethiopian eunuch says this, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? Now, Isaiah 53 says nothing about water baptism. So this must mean that in Philip's presentation of the gospel, he's, he's talking about responding to God through faith. And it includes baptism to some degree. Do you see this? All right, so, so Isaiah 53 is not talking about baptism, but Philip is talking about baptism, and the Ethiopian gets it as part of the, the gospel message that when you respond to Jesus in faith and receive him as your Lord and your treasure and your satisfier and your everything, the, the, a step of obedience is the waters of baptism. And Philip says, man, if you put your faith in Jesus, nothing stops you from getting baptized. And they stopped. The Ethiopian is baptized. And then Philip is transported in the spirit to Azotus, which is another town miles away. We, we have to not just skip crazy things in the Bible. And we have to say, God, what do you want to do today? Huh? Krista Pray and I just ministered at a church in Florida last week. We saw a lot of salvations and leaders got really encouraged. I, I'm trusting that one of these days, the Holy Spirit's gonna transport me back to Fort Myers. <laughs> just, yes, Jesus, come on, let's do it. All right, don't be surprised. Acts chapter nine, we, we, we see this, uh, this guy named Saul who is later known as Paul, but before he knew Jesus, he was named Saul. And, and what happens is he's riding a horse to go persecute the church. Jesus appears to him, knocks him off his horse, and the glory of Jesus blinds him for three days. In those three days, um, as it, uh, Paul is meditating on what Jesus said to him, is, is Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And in those, in those three days, Paul fasts. And when he puts his faith in Jesus, I want to get this uh, right. When he puts in Jesus, the scales on his eyes fall off and then he arose and before he eats or drinks, he's baptized. Think about this. Here's a man persecuting the church for a living, all right? Stephen just died at Saul's, uh, with Saul's amen on it. All right? As he's coming to Jesus, he's, ju he's just been blinded. He's just had an encounter with Jesus. He hasn't eaten or drinking for three days. Before he takes a sip of water, he's baptized in it. This is, imp this is important. <laughs> At Acts 16, we find, uh, starting with verse 11, we find a lady named Lydia. She's a businesswoman. She listens to Paul preach. And it says in, in verse 14 of Acts 16, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Very next sentence, after she was baptized and her household as well. Well, there's, there's, it's, it's like she hears Paul's message. She's baptized the next sentence. And then the Philippian church is planted in her house. Acts, if, you, if you continue on, you, you come across uh, the Philippian jailer because Paul's message got him thrown in jail. All right? And he's in jail with Silas and he's singing at midnight. He's just been beaten with rods. 
and a, there's an earthquake, an angel comes, rattles everything, all the prison doors swing open at, at midnight, and the jailer is about to take his own life because he knows that, that the Romans are going to do it anyway because all, all the prison doors flung open, and he's lost all the prisoners, but Paul and Silas cry out, you don't take your life. They shared Jesus with him in the middle of the night. The Philippian jailer is baptized at once, he and his whole family, in the middle of the night. Why not wait till morning? Why not wait till seven? Why not wait till after breakfast? Well, here's why. It's because it's insanely important. We could keep going here, but I'm just going to stop there. But I'm asking the question, why such urgency to be baptized? Why such immediacy? Why do you make it such a big deal? Why are people getting baptized in the middle of the night? Why are people getting baptized before eating after three days, before drinking after three days, before sleeping after multiple days? Why are you making it such a big deal? Is that really the heart of God? Doesn't God want you to care for yourself? Yes, he does. But why are people getting baptized as of first importance? Well, they're getting baptized as of first importance because baptism is important in the, in the body, in the church. Can I tell you that what baptism is not for a moment? Baptism, while it is important, there's multiple things that it's not. Baptism is, baptism is not the way that you join the church. You're adopted into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit when you put your faith in Jesus. And so you're a part of the church whether you've been baptized or not. So it's not the way that you join the church. Baptism is, is not the way that you wash away your sins. Let's be theologically astute and correct in these days, okay? Your sins were washed away by the blood of Jesus, not the waters of baptism, okay? All right? When you get baptized, your sins are not at the bottom of the pool. You need a great drainage system for that. It would always be clogged, all right, with all kinds of filth and nest, all right? They're not there, all right? Your sins were paid for by blood, not water, all right? So this is, this is baptism, biblically speaking, is not a big deal biblically because of what it does, Okay, baptism is a big deal biblically because of what it declares. Okay, this is why it's a big deal. Not because of what it does. It makes you wet and everybody claps and like, yes, yes, take my picture. Oh, good. And everybody, that, that's what it does. But by getting wet, by being dunked in the water, it declares something beautiful about God and beautiful about what he wants to do. It declares something incredible. Now, I want to talk about the, the two things that baptism declares. It, it, and here's number one. It declares that your identity with Christ, that you identify with Christ in his death and resurrection. That's what it declares. So you are, so God didn't save you so you could have a, a, a personal meaning private religion. He, he, he saves you and he wants your heart to be a torch and he wants to send you to the nations, all right? So all of this talk about, about uh, you know, personal relationships, it's great because you have this personal connection with God, but that doesn't mean that you hide Jesus in the closet. Like he, he wants to come out of your life. And baptism declares that you identify with Christ in his death and in his resurrection. Now remember, I, I told you to turn to Colossians. I know we're, we're flying through this, okay? Here's Colossians. Listen to this, chapters two, starting with verse, verse 12. We're gonna dig in here. It says this, having been buried with him, that's Jesus, in baptism, 
in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Okay, like read that slow, meditate on that. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, that's Christ, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him, meaning Christ. Now I'm telling you that when you get baptized, you're declaring all of these truths. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So declaration number one, I died with Jesus. Declaration number one, I died with him. I died with him. I'm no longer my own. I've been bought with a price. I am dead to me. I'm alive to him. I considered my old life of no value compared to having life in him. I, I, I crucified my, my, my old life with Jesus on the cross. And now I'm reborn into a new kingdom with a new treasure and a new boss. I died to sin. I died to the old me. I died to my sin nature. I died to sin's power. I, I died to the lies that stole life from me. I died to the lies that told me something other than who I actually am. I died to the delusion that robbed me. I died to small joys and small loves and small pleasures. And I realized that my heart was made by and for Jesus. And so I died to me so I could have him. Baptism illustrates this. Going under the water is your death. All right? It's not where you die. You've already died with Christ. But it's illustrating what has happened. Under the water, it's like burying the old you. All right? And then coming up out of the water is your resurrection. It's, it's I died, and now I'm raised. This is what it's symbolizing. I died, and now I'm alive. And so what you're doing is you are identifying with Christ. You're saying, he is the one. When he died, I died. When he was raised, I was raised. All my faith is in that. All my faith is in that man. It's declaration number one. Declaration number two is I was, I didn't just die with Jesus, but I was raised with Jesus. Jesus didn't die, so he'd stay dead. I came that you might have life and have it to the full. So he died, and by his death, we can live. I was raised with Jesus. Look at the, the second half of verse 12 of Colossians chapter two. It says, I am a new creation. I have a new identity. And my new identity is, is not defined by me. All the identity struggles going on in the world today, guys, we need to stop being angry at them and we need uh, about people that identify as, as puppies and kitty cats and whatever they identify as. You can identify with anything in these days. And what, what we need to do is we need to stop being angry at these people. We need to hurt for them because Jesus has a better identity than we do for ourselves or whatever we think we are. And we just need to say, Jesus, invade hearts of people to let them see that the identity they could have is better than anything they could muster. So I was raised with Jesus and my, I have a new identity and my new identity is defined by Jesus who made me for himself. 
And verse, verse, let's just read verses 13 to 15 again. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. This is, the Bible is so rich, guys. You can cry in it, you can feast on it, and it just never stops. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities, put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So what baptism speaks is it speaks that you are no longer dead, but you are alive in Christ. It speaks that you are forever joined together with Christ, your baptism speaks. Your baptism speaks you are no longer in sin, but you are forgiven in Christ. You're no longer in sin. You're in Christ. All your trespasses canceled. The the legal documents that demanded your condemnation have been nailed to the cross, paid in full. Every part of them. They do not have possession of you or power over you anymore. And by being baptized, you're declaring this beautiful theology. Your baptism declares this. Every spiritual ruler, every spiritual enemy has been disarmed that that could punish me. Every spiritual ruler and enemy has been humiliated at the cross of Christ. Every every spiritual enemy that I have has been triumphed over in Christ. This is is the declaration, this is the reminder to your soul that baptism declares a new identity. It's, It's not a new identity according to your family origins. Okay, I have a, 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 what do you call it? Like a a family tree that goes back to 1410, all right? And you can go back through there and there's some cool people and there's some horrible people. And guess what? I have a new bloodline in Jesus. It's not my family, it's not where I came from in the flesh. It's, it's, It's where I'm going now in the spirit. All right, I have, a new, I have a new bloodline in Jesus from heaven. I am not who my ancestors say I am. I'm not who anybody else says I am. I am only and fiercely who Jesus says that I am. All right. But I, I wanna get to, to this last part here because when we're being baptized, we're, we're, we're identifying with Christ and we're declaring these things. I died with him, I was raised with him, here's who I am in him, that he is my identity now, all right? But here's a, a part that we miss in the body so much. And when I was at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, I had a, a, a Korean friend and he helped me see this because in Korea, they get this way more, all right? And my, my, uh, one of my professors, Dr. Dwight Perry, he brought this out in one of our pastoral classes or I would have zoomed right by it. But another declaration is, is that, uh, that is found in baptism. It is not just talking about our, our identity with Christ, that we're identifying with Jesus, but it's also declaring that we're identifying with the body of Christ, meaning the community of believers. And this is the part that I learned from my friend. Because in Korea, when they get baptized and they're declaring, we're with the church, they get persecuted. You know that? So some people are getting baptized not to, woohoo, give me a towel, take the picture, yay. So some people are getting baptized and suddenly there's a target on their head. Biblically, like, it's, it, it doesn't matter though. Biblically, no matter what culture you're in, no matter what country you're in, biblically you're called to be baptized and there's just no privacy about your faith. 
You're saying I'm a Jesus follower. I'm, I'm with that man. But you're also saying that while my identity is, is wrapped up in him publicly, you're also saying I'm not just with him. I'm with his people. Now that is the part that gets really hard because it, being with Jesus is awesome. He's never going to fail us. He's never going to let us down. We can celebrate him. His faithfulness it goes to the end. But when you say I'm, not, I, I'm, with, I'm with his blood-bought people, the misfits, the people that talk better than they act, the people that dream better than they actually roll, the people that are, are, you know that when you identify with the body, just like set a timer to the next time you're going to get hurt. It's coming. It's coming. And, and Jesus, the way that Jesus designed this, the way the scripture streams is, I want you identifying with the imperfect, the not yet perfect bride, the struggling, strange bride of Christ. I want you identifying with her. First Corinthians chapter 12, 13 says, for in one spirit, that's Holy Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. That's the body of Christ. That's not saying that our body was baptized as an individual. That's meaning the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. So we belong to Jesus and we belong together. So when we get baptized, here's what that baptism is declaring. It's declaring, I died with Jesus. I was raised with Jesus, yes. And the reason you do it in public is because you're telling everybody with an eye shot of your baptism, I'm a part of you. I'm a part of these people. You're telling the whole world. People driving by on the hill. We baptized 50 people last October on the hill, all right? All in one shot. It's the most beautiful four-hour service I've ever been part of in my life. 25 of them were scheduled. 25 of them were not. 25 salvations in one day, straight into the waters of baptism. That's how I like it. I'm a part of these people. I'm a part of these people. Guys, look, I, we in Christ, we are part of one another. Well, so-and-so just doesn't get me. Doesn't matter. Well, so-and-so just doesn't see me. Jesus does. All right? Well, so-and-so, I don't like their style of leadership. Doesn't matter, guys. They don't like yours either. All right? Like, let, let's stop talking about what's not and let's start talking about what is. Come on. Man, if the church could do that. I've been coming to Promise for three years. I've, all, all I am on is the, the greeter team and nobody has seen my leadership potential. If you can't serve for three years without being seen, you gotta keep serving till you can, you see. See, it's, it's just, it's, it's not how the church, the, the church has embarrassed me so many times and I've embarrassed me so many times and stuff. It's, it's like parents, you take your kid out for the first time, you know, out to a, a restaurant or for the 12th time and you say, surely this 12th time of being in a restaurant in public, this will be the time where they don't embarrass me, but they do it again, all right? And they scream and they're the one kid that, that acts possessed in the whole restaurant, just running to and fro and screaming. And like, like I, I, I literally, I, I saw a dad bend down to talk to his kid once and the kid just jacked him straight in the face in public all right all right and then, then you, you feel like man a four-year-old just like owned me like I'm not a man listen listen <laughs> it's just how family is yo <laughs> when you're lit you don't let anything come in between what God has done you work it out you work it out. I had a, a vision right before, like this, this dream that was so insanely real. I thought it was real when I woke up. You, you could, you, I almost couldn't convince myself. Is this real? I felt the heart of God on it right around the time that 
we did the baptisms last year, maybe a few months earlier, and I had a, a vision of, of, of orphans falling off a cliff. And arms were catching the, the orphans falling, and the arms were the church. This is, this is how it is. Listen, this is how God has designed it. He didn't send angels to preach the gospel. He's sending us to preach the gospel, all right? And, and the world is full of orphans that do not know who they are and do not know what it is to be loved. So they're chasing subpar pleasures, and that is what we expect before Jesus. We don't expect people to follow Jesus before they know him. Right? And the church is supposed to come along and say, we got you. We got you. We got the best news in the world. And Jesus loves you and he wants you. You can be in. You can be in. And this is what the church is supposed to do. But often what the church does is we miss this part of what we were baptized into the body. And we've just got to get over. I don't like how the church functions. You weren't baptized into a family that just functions how you want. You have to put up with one another. And being baptized, you're declaring, I'm gonna put up with you. Jesus put up with me. I'm gonna put up with you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it's gonna be mercy and grace to you. And mercy and grace to you. And mercy and grace to you. Come on now. Anybody. This is, it is not supposed to be pretty. It is supposed to be way messier. Just way messier. It's supposed to be hurting one another, then loving one another, and forgiving one another, and doing all over again. And th this is the message, like, when you were baptized, think about this. Go back to your baptism. And if you didn't know this, then apply it. And so start saying, God, how can my heart line up with what I've already imperfectly declared? How can I do this? Who do I need to talk to? What needs to be made right? All right? So I would say apply it. Find somebody to talk to. Work it out. Jesus is way bigger, I guarantee, than what you've gone through. You know what? I think that some people here need to, uh, here's, I think that some people are, I'm gonna wrap up like this. And this is maybe where some 20-somethings are gonna get saved and then 40-somethings, 60-somethings, 80-somethings. So we got 100-something here. I would just, first of all, I'd like to meet you and then I would like you to meet Jesus, all right? <laughs> But I think that some of us, we, we have said, like what, what baptism has been to us has actually been our confidence. It has been our confidence. And here's what I mean by that. So maybe you had a wild grandmother that baptized you in whatever denominational church you did, the Catholic church, Episcopalian church. Maybe you're baptized as a five-year-old because in a Baptist church, Pentecostal church, assemblies church, and you just did it because you needed the attention. <laughs> you just did it because you felt pressured by your parents. And what, is, what has happened though is as you think about eternity and you think about Jesus and your relationship with Jesus, you actually say, well, I was baptized so I know I'm saved, just not following Jesus. Such a theology doesn't exist. You, the gospel is not, you get baptized so you know that you're going to heaven, like, like fire insurance. Or you pray a prayer so you know that you're going to heaven, like fire insurance, and then if you want to follow Jesus, whatever. The, the gospel is Jesus is better than everything. Do you want him or not? Yeah. Through faith. You know, so I, I think that some of us, like our faith is in some religious thing that we did once. And we're like, I'm going to heaven. I'm just not following Jesus. And Jesus, Jesus wants to run down your road today, knock you off your feet, kiss all over your face and say, you don't know what you've been missing, man. I think some people, you, you, your, your confidence for your eternity has been baptism or a sinner's prayer. 
and your confidence for your eternity is not Jesus. You don't care about knowing this man. You just wanna make sure that you've got the insurance, heaven insurance. And so I would say, I would say to you all today, man, welcome to the best day of the rest of your life. You, you just, you need to anchor every hope you've got, all of your trust, all of your confidence. Say, Jesus, you're my treasure, you're my everything. And I just give you my whole life and I hope in nothing else besides you for my salvation and for my life. It just takes all of you, just takes everything you've got, but it's wonderful and you can do it because the Holy Spirit is working today. And as some of you, you have put your faith in Jesus, but you've never been baptized. You just need to be baptized. I texted Julie this morning saying, can we get like a clipboard with a piece of paper and just have people sign up to get baptized out in the, out in the foyer? She, she's like, yes. So there's a piece of paper out there. You can just put your name on it. Whatever information you wanna give us, we can follow up with you and you'll just be baptized. If we, if we had, I, I'd love to get a baptism on wheels so we can just roll it around. Hey guys, we got a baptism going in quadrant Z over here. And we just hook it up, hey, someone's giving, I just want baptism to become so normal to us because so many people are putting their faith in Jesus. I just want just like, as we're just declaring it, we're declaring it's just how we operate. So I would say, get baptized. But guys, this is a wonderful moment. Let's not speed past a moment just to say, Jesus, is it well with my soul? Can you just, how about just close your eyes just for one, one moment? Ask him, is it well with my soul, Jesus? <laughs> oh man, is it well with our souls, Jesus? Do you have all of our hearts? It's our, it's our confidence, our supreme confidence, our trust, our hope, our everything, just in you, not in ourselves. Jesus, just make it so. Holy Spirit, you're moving in such beautiful ways. Just come wreck us. Just, just, just leave nothing for us. Just take it all. That is what we want in this house. It's what we want in this family. So Jesus, show us how great you are. Capture our hearts in stunning ways. I just pray for people right now that have been trusting baptism or a prayer or something else. Some, their, their faith is in those things. Their faith is actually not in you, Jesus. I just pray for the faith and the grace right now just to cry out, uh, to, cry out to you uh, for salvation. I just pray that people would do that right now. And that, that, that hearts would literally just surrender to you and say, all I am is yours. You just take all of my life, all of my confidence, all my hope, all my trust is in you. I, I'm, I'm turning from the old life and I'm dying to that when I'm being raised again to you, Jesus. I just pray right now, you can, you can just cry out to that for, for Jesus right now. And then some of you, um, you need to uh, sign up to be baptized. You just need to walk in that. Whether you have to share a speech or whether you have to get dunked one time, four times, 12 times, it just doesn't matter because just Jesus, whatever you say, come on, Jesus. Just capture our hearts so we don't even think about that stuff. We just want to walk. We just want to be yours. And I just pray, God, that these would be days of harvest. God, when we look around this world and we, we, we refuse to be angry at people that are Christless, and we want to see them as orphans that need homes. We want to see them as, as lost sons and potential sons and daughters that need to be found and brought into the family through faith in Jesus. God, I just pray that such compassion would fill our hearts, not anger, God. I just pray that you, you just descend that, grace this church with the eyes of Jesus to see the world and the lost. I ask and I pray, God. So we bless you, we praise you, we're yours, we thank you. 
And we ask all these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you'd like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give online at providencecommunity.org. 